I'm ready when you are. Uh, do you want to do your intro first, or do you uh, do you want to like record our own intros and just jump right into it, or? I uh, I mean, we could just do like a like a collaborative intro if you want to. Okay, yeah, no, that works. Not every other word like we talked about last time. <laughs> that, that that's a little intense. Yeah, I I did remember that part. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I I get d- lost by word three. <laughs> I don't have the uh, the mental mental capacity to coordinate such such a feat. No, it it's definitely not not no. in there today. No. Okay, so let's get pumped. We're gonna talk about D and D. Yes, we'll talk about D and D. Do you want to snap first, or do we just want to start talking? I guess we could just go ahead and jump right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee Field Rampage. Uh, I am your host, Kylie. Uh, with me today is Luke from the Rules Lawyers, a live, or not a live action, a actual play. Real play D&D, yep. Actual play. Yeah, D&D. All, of, all of those work. I suppose at one point we were live and in action, so that could work as well. Yeah. If you guys go like go to a convention and like get on a panel, then you're like live action, right? Oh, oh boy, that's a that's a tall order. I don't know. Um, maybe my local library would host me for a convention, but uh, that's about as far as I <laughs> uh, realistically see it going. But yes, Luke from the Rules Lawyers podcast, and as mentioned by Kylie before, I am joined by Kylie from the Coffee Field Rampage podcast. Hi. Yeah. Great. Do you want to, you know, I kind of want to mention the deal now before I forget it, as I am so want to do. But uh, we struck a deal that for every follower of yours that I receive, I will drink a cup of coffee. And then I think your end of the deal was every follower that you receive from me, which again, I'm not sure how we would <laughs> measure something like that. But you will uh, tweet out a and d fact. Is that right? Yes. I was thinking screenshots. Screenshots. You know. Yes. Follow, screenshot, tweet it at us. Exactly. I'll do, you'll, you'll do the coffee. I'll do the tweeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a tall order for me as well. Because I mentioned to you, I drink anywhere from like three to five, maybe six cups of coffee a day, depending on uh, how rough of a night it was before. Uh, but mm-hmm. twist my arm. I'll, I'll drink that coffee. I will fall on that grenade for all of you wonderful people. Well, it's a wonderful grenade to fall on because it's a coffee grenade and coffee is life. It really so. is. Are you drinking any coffee right now? I mean, I know it's late in the night. I'm assuming no. <laughs> yeah, it's almost 10 at night. Um, I'm drinking water. <laughs> there, there you go. Because uh, I, I don't want to get a Charlie horse in the night. So I'm drinking some water. Mm-hmm. That, that's a solid, solid idea. Yeah, no coffee for me right now. We have some cool local coffee that I had earlier today. And uh, I mean... Unless you're from Dubuque, the name's not going to mean anything to you. So, <laughs> yeah, there's my there's my coffee fact of the day. We should also mention that when we recorded, what was it, about oh, almost a week and a half ago now, um, we recorded this originally, and then some sort of uh, hobgoblin had interfered with my recording, and for whatever reason, it would, like, skip maybe, like, half a second of my audio that I recorded on my end. So it was just impossible to piece together, which is very lame. But Kylie here is gracious enough to re-record this with me. Um, so so take two, and then, uh, you know, Hobgoblin, stay away from my audio. Please don't touch it. Get out of here, Audio Hobgoblin. We don't want you here. <laughs> You're not welcome around here, Audio Hobgoblin. Get out of here, Audio Hobgoblin. How many times can we say Audio Hobgoblin? <laughs> If you tweet at us with a special hashtag audio hobgoblin, we'll send you 
uh, my shitty audio that I had recorded before? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> then I'll perfect. tweet. Then I'll tweet out a D and D fact, and you can drink some coffee. I, I've got that coffee down. Yeah. Um, if you if you tweet at us how many times we say audio hobgoblin in this in in this episode. I will write you a letter and send it to your mailing address. Ooh, I like that. You know what? I'll get in on that too. If you if you can tweet at us with with an accurate number of how many times we say audio hobgoblin, I will draw a little sketch at your request and also send it to your mailing address. Keep in mind, I'm not good at drawing, but I will I will sketch whatever you want me to draw. Whatever you want me to draw. Now I guess we can talk about D&D. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about D&D. All right, so Luke, uh, you want to give us a little uh, history, a brief history of D&D? Yes, and this is going to be pretty much off the dome. And I feel it's, you know, there's been so many podcasts and there's been so many books that have covered this that, um, you know, if you haven't heard the like the overview history of D&D already, I might not be the best source to get all the super accurate details of it. There's, you know, plenty of resources online that you can listen to. But I'll give you a, a real quick skinny. Back in, like, arguably, possibly the late 60s to early 70s, there were two dudes. Um, I'm sure you've heard the name Gary Gygax. He was, and still is, kind of considered the the granddaddy of modern-day D&D. And also, kind of to an extent, like, the majority of role-playing games. Uh, I think that he was kind of the guy who came up with the idea that instead of doing a game where you're controlling a vast number of people or an army, you're going to be recurringly playing the same character over and over again. Uh, There was also a gentleman that he met by the name of Dave Armisen. Uh, Armisen? Armisen. One of the two. And uh, he, I believe, had like the mechanics of the first, what came to be known as um, like original first edition Dungeons & Dragons. They kind of had like a, you got my chocolate and my peanut butter situation and then that became uh what we now know as original dungeons and dragons eventually they went into business they started tsr tactical studies rules or something to that effect that was the name of their company they produced dungeons and dragons it was a pretty slow start they didn't have a lot of money but then slowly over time it caught on they got a lot of money there's a big falling out between dave arneson and Derry gygax gygax kind of stayed with tsr he made a buttload of money it got poorly managed. He got kicked out. And then someone else was running it for a while. Eventually Hasbro bought it. Now Wizard of, Wizard of the Coast. And then Hasbro. And then there was 4th edition and everybody hated it. And now there's 5th edition and everybody loves it. And that's about what you need to know for the history. You know, we went over this last time. And I actually forgot that you had mentioned that Hasbro actually owns D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like such a weird thing to think about. Like it makes sense. It's got to be owned by some kind of company. But before like doing this episode, I really never sat down and thought about that. That like somebody has to, you know, somebody's got to own it. Somebody's got to do something with it. Um, mm-hmm. I thought for a while Critical Role just owned it because like they're doing everything with it. Like sure. they they are the bosses of D and D. So <laughs> I thought they just owned it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No. Because I believe it goes up the chain of command. It's like Wizards of the Coast bought them, and then Wizards of the Coast also. Produces Magic the Gathering, of which I'm a, a very big fan. I just played Magic just yes. the uh, the other day. And they're right. ultimately owned by Hasbro. I don't know if anybody owns Hasbro. I feel like Disney and or... Disney. Yeah, feel, <laughs> yeah, Disney and or Pepsi owns, like, everything. So... 
if it's entertaining, it's Disney. If it's anything that you can consume, it's mm-hmm. Pepsi. Yeah, and then everything else goes to uh, Vince McMahon from the WWE. And I think that's who owns the world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know who Disney doesn't own? Who's that? Disney doesn't own the audio hobgoblin. <laughs> no, no one owns the audio hobgoblin. The audio hobgoblin is a, is a rogue. He's a rapscallion that plays by nobody's rules but his own. The audio hobgoblin is a rapscallion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so that's the best way. To- speaking of... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say that's, that's a good way to describe the audio hobgoblin. I'm not sure how many times we've said it. I'm going to have to listen to it myself to get the accurate number. Yeah. I'm going to have to count that back. <laughs> um, I'm going to count all the times that I say audio hobgoblin under my breath so that nobody can actually hear it. Uh- you got to be careful, though, because if you say his name, like, I think 37 <laughs> times, he does appear and he does just completely wreck your audio. Oh, no. I don't want that. So... Speaking of critical role, that brings us into the next point. Yeah. There has Remind been me. What was the next so point? much <laughs> I will tell you what the next point is. There has been so much success in real play D D. Podcast like your own, critical role, streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um people I'm sure there's people that play on YouTube that I just don't watch outside of critical role. Oh, there's plenty. Uh, I really don't even watch critical role don't mm-hmm. at me sure it's just very intimidating three hour long episodes like i've got a 45 minute drive to and from work mm. and three oh, yeah. hours like because that's gonna take me like two days to get through that is intense man that is insane i got other creepy podcasts it ends up being more like maybe almost an average of like three and a half to even four hours per week I used to be super on the ball, kind of Johnny on the spot. I would always keep up every week with Critical Role, especially with the first campaign. Um, I should probably go on record saying that I am a big fan of Critical Role. I like them an awful lot. And I can't remember if I mentioned it to you when we did our recording before, but I actually met them at C2E2, like, what was it, two years ago now? And that was uh, that was awesome. It was a really cool experience. I got to shake Sam Regal's hand, and we, like... Uh, kind of chatted a little bit that was kind of fun I watched them do a panel it was very entertaining and they got into like their second campaign and as much as I truly do like the second campaign it just didn't quite have the same luster that I felt with the first campaign and then also just it's so incredibly difficult to keep up with three three and a half four hours a week if I want to try to do anything else other than Critical Role like as an adult keeping up with that like as a as an adult with a job good luck and if you can do it kudos to you sir or ma'am yeah, that is amazing yeah. i i cannot pull that off that is a lot to go through and i have actually got a couple of friends uh that keep up with it i'm just amazed like and now it's like the intimidation factor of like that's now an entire season of like over a hundred episodes ranging about three to four hours each that is so much it's an awful that's a lot ridiculous yeah, if amount. you if you're able to keep up with it then great but if you if you want to dive in yeah i mean you got some work ahead of you i think i started watching them when they would stream on twitch they were only an episode like maybe 20 in the first campaign so i followed along for a really long time and then just begrudgingly a few months ago i'm like i gotta toss in the towel it's just not feasible I kind of keep up with it a little bit via Twitter and stuff, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I ha- I, I'm i an adult. 
I have a life, or at least I try to have one. Exactly. And it's just, it's just so difficult. But I think the point you were going to bring up is just like the success that it's found kind of in the, uh, the new main media, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen them out of it. Um, there's people that don't play D and D that listen to it, like things like the Adventure Zone, mm. uh, Critical Role. Uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, not another D and D podcast. Uh, you've got. Uh, well, obviously, you guys, the rules lawyers. Uh, there's the Murder Dice podcast is gaining so much traction. Like mm-hmm. uh, they've been gaining traction for a very long time. Uh, they're mm-hmm. awesome, but it's just like. Everybody is doing D and D. I found one that's only on like episode five. I mentioned it last time. The uh, Dungeons and Daddies. I was really, really hoping you would bring up Dungeons and Daddies again. That is something that I, I very much need to dive into. It is not a BDSM podcast. It is about four dads from our Aww. world that got transported into a parallel universe, and their kids got stolen. So they have to go get their kids back. <laughs> It's not the name alone. It's the name alone is worth it. The name alone has me sold. I I just got to commit one of these days. Oh, but there's they're so they're so so new, so new. This is actually about the time that I got into NADPOD when that first started and that blew up. I I do highly recommend NADPOD. Um, Episodes are about hour hour and a half each, um, especially as we get further on into the podcast. But I personally love NADPOD. Yeah, I feel like you mentioned them last time too yes i will always talk about them (laughs) and you kind of mentioned an interesting thing where there's people who might not even play the game you know regard maybe because they just don't have the capacity to they don't have uh friends or enough people who have an interest or maybe they just like haven't purchased the books yet because i mean they can get kind of pricey uh, but like, I know I had a friend who, uh, we kind of reconnected after high school and he loved the adventure zone and watched a lot of critical role. And, um, I was lucky enough to be the first DM he's ever had in real life. Cause he was watching and listening for like a few months and he was finally able to kind of swing over here, uh, into Dubuque where I live. And I, uh, was lucky enough to host his first game. It was very fun. And, um, but yeah, no, he, him and like a lot of people, uh, kind of like these like sleeper, people who are interested in the game but haven't been able to, they'll even just consume the media without ever having picked up a dice, which is very interesting. I think there's just that large entertainment aspect, and there's like a different D&D podcast for everybody. You've got serious ones, you've got funny ones, you've got, you know, ones that are more by the mm-hmm. books. Um, mm-hmm. My personal favorite thing to do with D&D is to take the rules and bend them to the point of almost snapping, um, but still being within the confines of the rule. Uh, <laughs> but then you have like players and DMs and everything that are very by the books, other ones that just completely disregard the rules while still, you know, still being D&D. And I think that it just gives gives everybody it, it, it it's a it's a medium like podcasting that gives a little it has a little bit of something for everybody uh you'll you'll definitely find your niche in there sure i completely agree yeah and just to kind of hit on our show a little bit in case anybody who's listening who hasn't heard us before is just curious we um it's kind of like what you mentioned a little bit before here kylie with um we stay within the rules we, we try to stick within the rules you know if we're mindful of it, because we think that the the system of 5e is pretty good. I mean, I haven't played a whole lot of other role-playing games besides 5e, and I I think the system is pretty great. But I think the system itself leaves an awful lot of room to have fun with either role-playing or joking around or having cool, fun, uh, dramatic moments if you're, you know, capable of making those happen. 
And I feel like while we try to maintain the rules as best we can, we definitely have a lot of fun and flexibility within them. And that's just something that the game has done a really good job of designing itself to do. It's, you know, if you want to get real number crunchy, you can go for it. If you want to get real, uh, you know, into like the melodrama or into the jokes or into the RP, you certainly can do that as well. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, You guys have a pretty fun show. Like, I like everybody's dynamics. It's, and I think that's a very important aspect of like having a D&D group that is functional is that you guys have to not only work together as like characters, but you have to work together as players and vice versa. If you have like majorly conflicting personalities or if you're, you're so set in like the rigidity of your character and it's like going completely against everything that functions with the party, you're not going to have a good fun game. Uh, and ultimately at the end of the day that's what you're agree. that's what you're there for right to have fun like none of it really matters you're just you you want to have fun no but you know i like to play it as a power fantasy isn't that fun <laughs> not really no that was a that was a joke no there there are people who i think certainly do maybe try to play uh i i i i can say that i've met people who try to play the game as like a strange sad, sadistic power fantasy like i've had a few dms that are like that and it certainly does not make a good time um but i feel that the majority of everybody is just like i'm getting off work Mm -hmm. it's tuesday that's our game day going down to the comic store or going over to my friend's house let's just like get goofy talk about elves and dragons and beholders for like a while and have a fun time doing it and make some stories and friends that we can tell for the next couple of years most everybody shares that consensus. I've met some people who don't, and it's very sad when you find someone like that. But you got to pick and choose who you're with. I mean, with my with my people that I record, we've been playing together at Com- we were playing together at Comic World. I think like a couple of years before I even came up with the idea of the podcast. And one of my guys, me and him, have been friends since high school, so we've known each other for ever. So it it really it makes it a lot easier to you know groove while we're recording. But no, so you brought up kind of like character dynamics, and I think that might be a good transition into, I think, you know, somewhere in the next topic is just kind of like our experience and with our characters. And I know you've got one, like your namesake that I've known you for originally before your real name, that I think you should uh, go ahead and reshare with everybody. Do you mean Foxy to Boxy? Fox, I I was going to say the audio hobgoblin, but no, I think you do mean the... (laughs) Foxy to boxy. I am not the audio hobgoblin. I am not See, him. Maybe, maybe I, not. I should be the audio hobgoblin as my next character. Maybe I could, because you, you can play a hobgoblin. That's a playable race from Volvo's Guide to Monsters. And maybe so, I will become the audio hobgoblin. So if something happens to your character, JC Liggums, you're going to be the audio <laughs> hobgoblin? If JC Liggums dies. Um, but actually, fun fact, real quick, we did finish recording those run of those characters. So we are going to start new characters coming up. I made a different one. Now I'm strongly reconsidering being the audio hobgoblin. I think that you should reconsider to become the audio hobgoblin. It's very important to be the audio hobgoblin. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to shred my character sheet that I have prepared and I'm going to whip up a new one. No, no, no. Keep it as a backup. You never know when you'll need a backup. That is true. That is true. But I do want to hear again about Foxy Taboxy. Okay. So, uh she is a tabaxi druid that is in my current party that I am playing with my coworker, his wife, and a few of their friends. 
Uh, I'm actually going to have a few more tales about them uh, later if we get around to it. Because they have been giving me uh, a lot, actually, a lot of, like, great D&D knowledge. Uh, I'm very thankful for that group because I feel like it's really helped me grow as a player. So she's a druid. I picked mm-hmm. her specifically to play this uh, character because I heard somebody else talking about their character which was a tabaxi and then i just got stuck in my head the name foxy tabaxi foxy the tabaxi (laughs) and that is how she came her name is actually foxy she does not have a last name so i just call her foxy tabaxi but her Mm -hmm. name is actually Mm -hmm. foxy she looks like a fox she's great she's chaotic good kind of weird and wiry um don't ever really know what she's gonna do next uh she's the character that i bend the most rules with uh, the first session, we were going up against some goblins. Not the audio hobgoblin, but just some regular old goblins. <laughs> you can't... I'm sorry. The audio hobgoblin is too powerful. <laughs> you got to be level, like, 15 to face off him. Uh, maybe, maybe 18. I don't know. He's very powerful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a comfortable a comfortable 18 with four other party members. Yes, and that is why your uh, your audio got corrupted, because we were not powerful enough to stop the audio no. hobgoblin. Uh, we were also two. <laughs> the challenge rating was too high. It was very high. Now, um, if I if I recall, Foxy Tabaxi likes to cast Bonfire, right? That's kind of her shtick. Oh, yeah, that is her biggest shtick. <laughs> uh, so create Bonfire is a cantrip that can do dan- damage. It's not really meant to be a, a damage spell, because it's got pretty low... Uh, I think it's a D8, like 1D8, um, if I'm remembering correctly. It's either 1D8 or 1D6. I never used it. It's either 1D8 or 1D6. It's a sweet spell, though. It's, and it is. They, they, those cantrips scale over the course of, like, levels. But it's a really cool, interesting spell. It's a concentration spell, too, which is interesting for a cantrip. But that's the, uh, that's the rules lawyers in me <laughs> talking about those things. But I appreciate the rules lawyers aspect. So she likes to just set things on fire. Uh, That is the easiest thing I... uh, One time we came across a necromancer who was living in a tent. And instead of, like, going and, like, you know, knocking on the tent's door and trying to be all polite, she just snaps and points and sets it on fire. Uh, That did not go well. He continually called her a house cat. But that was just one of, like, many instances where it's, like, that knee-jerk reaction of just, like, do it. Because, like, I think she's got ADHD. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> She's got ADHD and plays with fire. It's not a good combination. But yes. Someone someone say the hallmarks uh, you know, one of the three benchmarks of a serial killer. <laughs> oh, do you mean the McDonald triad? That is, fire that starting. Is the, that is the one. Yes. She also happens to wet the bed as well. What yeah, fire starting, bed wetting, harming mm. animals. And then torturing animals. Yep, torturing animals. Yeah, being an animal herself, maybe everything else is an animal. So she could be meeting that trifecta already, but <gasps> oh, no. who knows? Oh no! Aren't all, all aren't all player characters kind of serial killers anyway? Uh, yes. <laughs> In a way, yeah. yes. All D D characters are serial killers. Classic murder hobo. <laughs> yes, the murder hobo, not to be confused with the audio gob- hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, six murder hobos equals one audio hobgoblin. Oh no, that conversion is terrible. There's so many murder hobos. Yeah, there's there's str- strangely enough, there's a lot of math that goes into the audio hobgoblin. I wasn't anticipating that. If you guys can keep up with the math, tweet us. Uh, we'll draw you a second picture and a and a second letter. <laughs> I think when we recorded last time, I didn't. I don't think I really gave you the uh, 
kind of the uh, gimmick that I was going with J.C. Lakeham's. Did I say that at all? I don't think I did. You told me what your inspiration was, uh, but I yeah, don't oh, yeah, think that right. you gave me the whole... Okay, yeah, I didn't. No, I, I got I got her M.O. I, I got like her like kind of background from one of your episodes, but I don't think you told me over the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, first off, thank you for listening. If it was any episode before episode like 43, I apologize. The audio was complete crap. <laughs> and it, you know, slightly better now. But um, I got the name from the episode of Rick and Morty. I think it was like season two when they were on the planet where there was those weird cat people. Maybe that's where Foxy Tabaxi came from. I'm not sure. But there was the cat people and they did the, uh, they were doing the purge and Morty was in the lighthouse keeper's place and he was telling a story about jc lakeham's that's where i got the name uh but her gimmick is that she is a halfling divination wizard with the lucky feet and now the second chance feet so what that means mechanically is that i can force re-rolls on multiple different d20 rolls like anytime i roll a one or just three times a day when i feel like it or once per combat when i feel like it um, just a lot of like shenanigans with making either the DM or me re-roll dice. And in-game, the uh, flavor behind that is that since she's a divination wizard, she looks into her journal slash spellbook, and every morning when she wakes up, she sees that there was uh, small prophecies of the future of the day to come, and that's how she can kind of justify seeing into the future. That's kind of my, uh, my little flavor for J.C. Lakeham's. That is a pretty cool background. I really like that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I named my puppy after her, <laughs> believe it Aww. or not. That is adorable. So aside from JC Lakeums, have you played any other characters? Or who do you have, like, coming up aside from the audio hobgoblin? Like, can you y- yes. talk about it? Or is this going to, like, really, uh, <laughs> this is going to really do some things to your game? No, audio hobgoblin, he's going to be the big boss at the end of the entire the entire podcast it's just gonna be like he, he's not even gonna attack the players it's just gonna attack the audio quality so it's gonna be like static and just breaking of a voice and uh and things like that but um oh god my previous character that i played with um kind of the crew that i met playing adventurers league which is something i wouldn't mind getting into a little bit later the organized play that wizards of the coast does his name was chris he is a half orc tempest cleric with a dip into fighter I didn't really have a gimmick going with him other than he was like a half-orc and he was a cleric to the god of storms, Talos. And um, I think my ultimate goal with him that I ended up doing is that I wanted to have him have the highest armor class possible that I could get. He's currently level 15 and he's got a 27 base armor class. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing a pretty decent job there. I can cast a spell to make it 29. (laughs) So I just kind of want to be a be an asshole and just make him very very difficult to hit so that was his gimmick but the next character that i'm going to be playing is a wanty pureblood hexblade warlock pulling from a couple different source materials other than the player's handbook his gimmick is that he was a lawyer due to his incredible intelligence and charisma and he made a deal with the wanty gods um dendar the night serpent and then the the other ones that he would go across uh, adventuring and then kind of claiming souls for them in order to gain warlock powers. That's kind of a quick and dirty overview of my main characters thus far. That is some intense oh, warlocking. Yes, I think about this a lot at work. <laughs> I spend a lot of my free time doing that. So, 
It's cool. When I was developing my newest character, I did a lot of thinking at work so I could go home and like write uh, about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am stoked. Which one's actually. that? I feel like you told me, you told me about this one, right? The yes. new one. This is uh, Edwina, the Drow sorceress. Yep, that's right. That's uh, right. Drow sorceress. I'm going to be that's going good. way outside of my comfort zone, which kind of brings back to earlier when we were talking about like. Uh, harmony within like the party and also within the players. I'm actually going to be playing a lawful evil character with her. Nice. Because I'm trying to go with like the very traditional drow type of feel with her. Uh, we're actually in an entire party of elves. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very intrigued to see how all of this pans out. Um, I think it's going to be a really good time. They're all too beautiful. They all have a superiority complex. They're all a little bit too hot, and they all know it just a little bit too well. <laughs> but I'm definitely intrigued to see how me playing a lawful evil character... not I'm not going to be malicious by any means, because that mm-hmm. doesn't make for a good player. Uh, yeah. Yeah, lawful evil doesn't mean that you're, like, a dick. I, I'd say lawful evil means that you're out for yourself, and you do it in a smart, logical way. And that is exactly what I'm trying to get across with her. But I'm concerned about, like, if I don't play it correctly, then everybody else is going to have a bad time. But it's definitely going to be a learning experience that I'm excited about. I'm very excited to play Edwina. Just as excited as I was to play Foxy. Oh, you're you're kind of flickering in and out. The audio hobgoblin, he strikes again! Luke? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Kylie? Kylie? Yes. I can hear you. Can you can you hear me? Yes, now I can. S- say something one more time. I think I got you back. I can hear you now. Yep, there you are. I think we said his name too many times. Oh shit. All right, we got to stop. We got to stop. <laughs> He's in the room. Ah, I don't want to be. I can see his shadow. He's here. I'm actually looking at my copy of it right now, so this is kind of oh, spooky. <laughs> like oh god like, we need the world turtle to protect us i i am actually imagining the audio hobgoblin as pennywise and this is not yes. a good time no we don't we need the world turtle to protect us oh we do badly please please come yeah. save us world turtle are you are you familiar with turtles the player character race uh i've seen a little bit about him i have a uh friend whose backup character is a turtle yeah, they're they're really interesting. Very interesting race. They can have a like, super high armor class, which I'm I'm a big fan of. But yeah, what was the uh, what's the next topic we were going to bring up? I feel like we're missing something in here. With our topics? No, actually, the next topic was questions. Okay, cool. Well, there was the one thing that I brought up with like the three medias that we would compare like our style oh, to. That's right. I forgot. Do you want to do that one? Uh, I don't remember what I said last time. <laughs> If I recall... I said Lord of the Rings. Which I don't. <laughs> I don't remember what you said. I definitely tossed Lord of the Rings in there. I, I think Lord of the Rings might have been one of them. I'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Kylie, you there? Yes. I am here. No. Okay. Oh no, I thought he got you. I thought you were gone. Okay, we actually have to stop saying his name. I am getting a little bit superstitious and paranoid. I know. I, I think we tapped into some sort of collective subconscious uh, of podcasters everywhere. But I'll, I'll go first, if you want me to, with the three medias for the, for the style of gaming. 
Yeah, do you want to, like, uh, bring it up in a more uh, easier transitional way? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, we can just take these past two words. minutes and chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit where it's going to sound super smooth. Don't worry. <laughs> no, see, the trick is you don't edit it, and then you make a joke about how you're going to edit it, and then it's always <laughs> funny. That's what I learned from the Adventure Zone. I've learned that from like literally every podcast. You're right. They say that they're going to edit it and then they don't edit it. <laughs> that's the, that's the trick. It's the golden joke. It never gets old. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, when we were talking about what we want to talk about with our recording here, like a couple weeks back, I brought up this, I don't know if it was like a meme or if it was some sort of like Reddit discussion where someone asked if you could describe your gaming style or your homebrew world or just kind of your general D&D presence um, as a combination of three different medias like books, movies, TV shows, video games. How would you describe it? And I think that's kind of a fun exercise. The three that I would choose, and I think I said these the last time, one of them would be the Sandman graphic novels by Neil Gaiman. Did you ever read any of those? Uh, I started reading the first one, uh, and then I gave it back to my friend because I I had too much other stuff going on, and it wasn't captivating me as much as uh, I would have liked it to because I'm a bad reader sometimes. And then you made a solid vow to your new friend Luke that you're going to pick them up and read them as soon as possible. I make a solid vow to my new friend Luke that I will read the Sandman books. There's audio proof. Everybody can hold her to that. Um, otherwise, the audio hobgoblin is coming to get her. That's ah. the that's the deal. Uh, they're they're very good, and they they were very formative on on me and like my kind of like world building fantasy like style, especially in the belief that um that gods exist in like a symbiotic relationship with those who believe in them slash create them. Neil Gaiman's a pretty big influence on me, specifically Sandman slash maybe even American Gods. Another one that I really found a lot of inspiration from was the I guess you can call it like an indie game. It's pretty popular now, Undertale. And I don't think you've ever played oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Or have you played Undertale? Uh, I haven't played it, but I've seen other people play it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so cute. Yeah, it's like a really like oddly compelling story with like a lot of heart and humor, as well as some like mm-hmm. random super creepy shit. <laughs> and I think oh, that's yeah. kind of what I pulled from that. Yeah, I definitely had some influence from Undertale because I, I got into that a little bit before I was into D&D. Um, or early on in it. And then lastly, I know you know this one. I pulled a lot of inspiration from Over the Garden Wall, which is one of my favorite yes. cartoons of all time. One of my favorite stories of all time, honestly. I really do like that. I should go back and watch that again. Yep. I watch it every Halloween. Aw. Oh, that's right. You do. You said that last time. Yep. Every Halloween. Uh, yeah. It's really cute. It's really um kind of the same sort of with Undertale where it's like a, it's kind of like a cute, heartfelt story, but like with some actual eeriness and actual creepiness that you'd be kind of surprised to find. I'm a big fan of just like the the setting and the world building and like the subtle hints that they do throughout the show. And that's something that I at least try to emulate with my like world building and my gameplay. So those are the three that I would choose. Uh, Do you have yours ready to go? Yes. So I don't do any world building because I do not DM. I only play. Mm -hmm. So I guess I've got different things that I pull inspiration for characters for. Sure. So, when I was creating Foxy, of course there was the name, but I also wanted her to kind of be like a very kind of flowy, kind of ditzy, like Phoebe <laughs> Buffay from Friends. 
I could I could see Foxy yes. to Boxy having like a a healthy dash of Phoebe in her persona. Yes, <laughs> yes, she's definitely like a Phoebe Buffet from Friends. That was like the biggest one because I wanted her to just kind of be like that kind of like loosey goosey. Like, what's she gonna do next? What's gonna come out of her mouth? That's funny. Um, but then I also wanted her to have like some weird structure. That I didn't really pull for anything. I just wanted her, like, for being chaotic good, I just wanted her to have, like, a weird series of rules that she had to follow. Um, And I think that I've kind of stolen that from other people online, like, seeing, um, like, on Reddit and Facebook and stuff like that, seeing other people play uh, chaotic good characters, how, like, there's just, like, a bizarre set of rules and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that wasn't anything specific, just kind of an online influence. And then for the moments that I want her to be a little bit cooler... I don't know if you've ever uh, seen Courage the Cowardly Dog, but do you remember, like, the fox? Oh, my God. Yeah. Hell yeah. Courage the Cowardly Dog. I love Courage so the Cowardly Dog so much. You you <laughs> tapped into a very a very oh. emotional spot for me. I'm I was sorry. not ready for this. I, God, I love Courage the Cowardly Dog. Uh, don't be sorry. It's the best. Real quick, did you remember when they would do, like, the the little songs in between commercials and Cartoon Network, and then They Might Be Giants made a song for Courage the Cowardly Dog. I don't remember that one specifically, but I do remember them using like, using to do those songs. Oh. But I don't remember that one specifically. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it was amazing. It, they Might Be Giants did a song specifically for Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's super great. You should totally look it up. I'm going to. And then for Edwina, I actually pulled a lot of heavy uh, inspiration from... The new Netflix series, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, that's actually where I pulled the uh, name from. So good. Uh, I wanted to so kind of have her have like that dark, uh, kind of like to kind of be more like a Zelda, um, where it's like very structured in her religion, very um, by the books. I like that. Um, I was pulling heavily from yeah, Edwina. Zelda. I guess, yeah, you did get the name from that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, that's, no, that's awesome. Edwina, almost Edward. Mm hmm. Yeah, perfect. I love that show. It's uh, really good. I need to watch the second part. Uh, I keep I'm on like the the subreddit for it, and like I keep seeing like almost spoilers, and I'm like, this is not okay. I'm playing a dangerous <laughs> game right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that was like a heavy influence on Edwina. I don't really have like a good three sources, but I think that if I were to DM, um, I would probably want like some more lighter things. Um, like I would probably honestly pull from other podcasts. Like I would probably want to do uh obviously nadpod dungeons and daddies because of their like general merriment <laughs> and rule bending and just kind of like playing with the game not necessarily playing mm-hmm. for the game if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense and i really like that i'm also going to note anytime you say dungeons and daddies i'm going to laugh and smile i, I just can't help it it's so great i'm glad you really need to listen it's fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when they first started, they said, "Hi, this is Dungeons and Daddies. We are not a BDSM podcast." And then they kind of like left that off at a certain point, and another player like made note of that. They like were like, "Hey, you forgot to say this. You'll get there. It's hilarious. It's it's so hilarious." Uh, they do a really. There was good a collective job. sigh from all the new listeners. Aww. Oh, oh, too my, bad. My favorite part of the podcast of Dungeons and Daddies specifically is uh that they're a bunch of dads so they make a bunch of dad jokes right that's great so uh for the first bit uh whenever somebody said a dad joke everybody in the party would have to take 1d4 psychic damage (laughs) 
And then in the second episode, everybody but the person that said it took 1d4 psychic damage, and then the person that said it got a point of inspiration. And then they, like, slowly progressed until they're no longer taking psychic damage for dad jokes. But, like, that I <laughs> They'd saw... They'd become immune. They pretty, they pretty much did. But that's what got me. is because somebody had funny. posted about it in the NADPOD subreddit. They were like, guys, listen to this. They have to take psychic damage for dad jokes. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm on board. So I would pull, like, if I DM'd, I would pull inspiration for things like that. And then probably as far as, like, the world structure goes, definitely something like Lord of the Rings or even, like, Harry Potter. Um, because those are pretty well-established universes with very well-defined rules on how things work, uh, which mm-hmm. takes a lot off of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, P- pulling inspiration from uh, things like that, uh, definitely a good thing to do, especially if you're, like, a new DM. Have you ever read any Brandon Sanderson? at all i am not sure i don't think so yeah i mean i i could sit here and gush over brandon sanderson for a very long time but that's a another really popular modern science fiction fantasy writer who does a really good job on world building and magic system building so that the little uh little luke hot take for you if you're looking for some inspiration on how to structure stuff brandon sanderson's your your guy to go to in my opinion i'll have to go check him out do you want to get into some questions that I had uh, asked people online to send in? Hell yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, first question comes from my friend Alex. He asked, what is the best cl- race-class combo? Um, race, hobgoblin, class, audio. Best combo, audio hobgoblin. <laughs> we have to appease him now. I'm very terrified of what he might do. I'll leave out some phone chargers, a, pair, a couple of pairs of headphones. I'll put them on a special a special tray so they, he will be appeased. Maybe some apple juice. I don't know. What do so, I, yeah, he's like Santa Claus. He's like apple juice and, <laughs> and, and cookies. You'll leave them out so he doesn't mess up your, your recording. That is what audio hobgoblins drink, right? Apple juice? Right, mm-hmm. guys? Tweet yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Tweet me what audio hobgoblins drink. Yeah, and he can only be... Uh, be captured by like a, a fairy ring of children singing uh, or something to that effect oh look um, man don't bring that curse on my house i don't want a fairy ring of singing children around here no thank you don't bring that curse on my house that's why he's still running around no one's been able to coordinate kids into doing it it's impossible exactly best race class combo i think i kind of got into it a little bit last time there's a few ways you can look at it. I know the most popular one, there was a poll done a couple of years ago, and I think it was using D&D Beyond, possibly, or uh, I don't know how else they would have possibly pulled this data, but according to them, and I can totally see it, the most common combination of race and class is variant human fighter, and that's a very popular one if you want to have a fairly simple martial prowess character that mechanically is very, uh, you know, good uh for lack of more poetic terms so i've heard people argue that a half elf bard is borderline op um i mean they they just work so well together like there's certain races that kind of just synergize with classes better and by no means should you feel restricted to sticking within those uh those like statistic combinations that make them quote-unquote better at least mechanically but half elf bards are pretty darn good but then, you know, I think anybody who's played the game long enough, 
if you go by the definition of best as what you're going to have the most fun with, then it becomes infinitely more subjective, and it's just whatever you think is going to be a fun combo, which I'm sure I'm sure you can agree with. I do agree with that. I personally think that the halfling bard is the best combination because that is the character that I have had the most fun with myself. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that was the one that you had the most fun with, and therefore Kylie's favorite best combo is halfling bard which admittedly good combo halfling yeah. anything halflings yeah. are great oh yeah. they're the best uh, mechanically oh, like yeah. you said earlier with like being able to re-roll and re-roll and re-roll and re-roll mm-hmm. that's awesome it's amazing like, that's yeah. an amazing like, mechanic. Having, having to touch the ones yeah it's great yeah. you just get a look at it and say ha <laughs> you don't define me one of our players on the podcast paul he plays jabink the halfling monk and I've like maybe it's just because we're super aware that he's a halfling, and I guess JC's a halfling too. But um, we're just super aware that he, whenever he rolls a one, we're just insanely aware of it. Um, but I feel like nobody has ever rolled more ones than him, and he always gets to re-roll them because he's lucky enough to be a halfling. Mm-hmm. Next question is uh, from my friend John, who actually got me into podcasting. So hi, John. Thank you because of you. I'm here right now. Hi, John. Uh, he wants to know, what do you think the best monster in the bestiary is? Okay, because I, I remember what I gave, but I can't remember what you said last time. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I remember what I gave last time, and I kind of revised my answer. I'll give both. Uh, last time I said the Beholder, just because I think that is one badass monster. That they are. But I also really like owl bears because they're really cute. So yeah. I think <laughs> owl bears are best. And did we did we bring up the recent meme that's kind of been floating around where uh, like baby owl bears are called chubs because they're chicks and cubs? Yes, yes, we did, and I love that. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet that out. It's so cute. You should. Yeah, no, yeah. Don't don't uh, don't Google image search that. You probably won't get what you're looking for. Oh god, but there are definitely don't. some. <laughs> there are some very cute pictures of baby owl bears. You might just want to Google search baby owl bears. Save yourself some uh, some psychic damage. My favorite, I have a couple, my favorite low-level monster to encounter, or at least my favorite low-level monster to DM as is an intellect devourer. And I, I, de- I described it to you last time as like a brain dog, where it's like a little, it's like a brain running around with like these weird dog claws. And it has the power to just consume someone's brain and then replace their brain with itself and then take over their body. I think they're a really, really fun, unique monster to, to mess around with, especially at low levels. Going up, I think a frog hemoth is my favorite, like, mid-tier um, monster. And that's from Volo's Guide to Monsters. I actually just purchased the mini that came out for it recently because I just have a weird thing with frog hemoths. They're just gigantic frogs with tentacles from outer space. I think they're very interesting. They sound very cool. They're very cool. You look one up, they are disgusting. I've thrown a few of them into my campaigns just because I wanted them to be there. And you can kind of justify them being there by like, yep, this thing crashed from space. Now it's here. Gotta deal with it. My favorite higher level monster. I played a lot of giants when I ran against the giants. So I kind of have a bit of a affinity for like storm giants and fire giants. Giants are very interesting. They have a cool societal structure if you want to get into the flavor aspect of the monster manual. I'm definitely going to have to look that up. That might be, uh, it might not be an obscure D&D rule, but that if if you if my people follow you, uh, that might be something that I tweet out just because that sounds mm-hmm. very interesting, wanting to know the social hierarchy of uh, giants. Exactly. Yeah. Make me drink that coffee and then make her give out those facts. The, yeah. the social hierarchy of giants is very, 
very interesting. The Sundering, um, they're like class system. It's a, it's a, it's pretty cool stuff. Okay, cool. Don't get too deep into it because I still got a tweet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you just brought up Volo, and this is a question that my friend Dustin asked. He said, "Is Volo really just a Gilderoy Lockhart?" Lockhart. <laughs> I mean, like, kinda. Yeah, like, there's an awful lot of similarities. Do you are you familiar with Volo? Not really. Uh, I've, I, I, as we said earlier, the books can get pretty expensive, and since I've never DM'd, yeah. I've never like really purchased any of them to look into it. Um, oh, for sure. Because I'm a very underprepared player. Yeah. No, and, and that's fine. The, the, those are just like there's a lot of uh, Forgotten Realms lore and characters that exist, and it's very fun to learn. And if you like, if you wanted to do it on the cheap, you could like if you you know felt the urge to do so, you could Google it or like look up Wikipedia entries on it. I have Volo's Guide to Monsters mainly because one of the few splurges I do for myself is buying uh, some D&D books throughout the year. Um, Volo is kind of just a dude who's a very famous adventurer, and he's not shy about telling you about how famous of an adventurer he is. He publishes a lot of things. He takes credit for a lot of deeds that other people probably have done. And um, he actually like makes his way into knowing a lot of prominent figures in the uh, canon of the Forgotten Realms. Uh, but he, yeah, essentially, he's he's Lockhart. It's that's a pretty straightforward uh, uh, similarity right there. Oh yeah, they just based off that, most definitely. Uh, so this next question comes from my friend Reed. Uh, it's actually the last question. He said, "All right, second to last question." Because uh, anyway, uh, what do you find more important: a strict adherence to the rules of D anD D, or allowing the rules to bend and twist for the sake of strong character moments and interesting storytelling? Do you want to take this one first, or do you want me to take it first? Yeah. So I've already said earlier that I like to bend to the bend the rules to the point of almost snapping. Sometimes uh, mm-hmm. I, I like to bend them. I think that uh, if you've got like for Edwina, I uh, I have a spell. Uh, what is it? It's why can't I think of it? Infestation, and they started listing off some uh, bugs. But I wanted very specifically to have spiders. I asked my DM. I was like, "Look, it doesn't say. It says like rat. It, I was like roaches, flies, gnats, or something mm-hmm. like that, or any other like infectious animal or something like that, or mm-hmm. uh, insect or something like that." And I was like can I use spiders? And he said, well, based off that wording, yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, because yeah. that would have been very important to my character, being a drow. She uh, worships Lolth, so her thing is spiders. Very important. Mm-hmm. Lolth is big into spiders. That is that is known. It, it's creepy. She really likes them. But other times, like in my uh, current campaign with Foxy, uh, Foxy actually has a skirt that is made out of uh, the Bag of Holding. So her <laughs> pockets are just infinite. I can just fit a bunch of things in there. I don't have to actually worry about, like, a backpack. As long as it can, like, fit into, like, a skirt pocket, it's fine. Um, but that was one of those things <laughs> where, like, great. when I turned to Paul and I was like, I want you to let me do something crazy. And he said, what? And I was like, let me make my skirt the bag of holding. And he was like, okay, but here's the parameter. It actually has to be able to fit within a skirt pocket. And I said, deal. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of having a skirt made out of the bag of holding. And you have the most functional, useful skirt of all time. I, why can't I have one in real life? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that bending the rules to kind of 
suit your character a little bit better, assuming that you're not, like, essentially taking it so far that you're, it's not even recognizable as a rule anymore, is totally mm-hmm. acceptable. As long as you still have, like, the pure essence of what that rule is, like, using the spiders to cause an infestation. That's fine, because it's still causing an infestation. It's just spiders instead of, like, cockroaches. I completely agree. Yeah, no, I, in my opinion, with, uh, when it comes to this game, probably, like, all role-playing games, I assume. And, like, even kind of just, like, in life, I think that, like, an appropriate balance between the two is most often going to yield the best result. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's kind of like a, co- kind of like a cop-out answer, but um, there's been a lot of times where, you know, and we, again, we call ourselves the rules lawyers, almost, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but there's been a, plenty of times when someone say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this. That's what I'm going to try to do. And like, I know they don't really have a class feature that says they can do that. Or maybe like that's something that comes up later on. Or like if you, if you wanted to go by the rules, they really should be spending some sort of resource to make that happen. But like, mm-hmm. no, that's a cool moment. And you know, maybe it's a character development or maybe it just made me laugh as a DM yeah. and I'll, I'll allow it for sure. I don't do that all the time. Cause I feel like if you do it maybe too much or just nonstop, the game might become like unrecognizable and it you know stakes might not mean anything or like uh people don't really care about managing the resources because they might get the idea that they're infinite and therefore like i said the stakes kind of go down and the game doesn't really have that thrill like it might have um but there are definitely times when you can say no that's totally fine you can do your backflip and then chop off two heads instead of one or whatever i do think there's something to be said about putting some restrictions uh here and there because like i said it helps to reinforce uh meaningful moments that like if you feel like a like a character death for example is a possibility that makes it just more fun when it didn't happen or if someone did die it makes it that more meaningful i don't know if we talked about it last time we recorded but i experienced my first character death as a dm uh not too long ago i permadead killed one of my players characters shout out to ivy i i'm I'm still sorry and i um i let him i let it be known that in this game like it's it's real like people you know you can die it's fairly difficult to die in 5e a lot of people would argue but i mean just die rolls were bad and the situation just called for it and it wouldn't have made sense if she didn't i couldn't think of any justifiable reason not to kill her so it happened, you know, and I think going forward, it's just going to give that much more of a of a thrill when people go into combat, knowing that they could, you know, end their character. But that's just my, uh, that's my soapbox. Yeah, no, I like that soapbox. Uh, it, it, you're right, it's very important, like, in it, they can be teachable moments. I know that seems kind of silly to say in D&D, but if you're going in there constantly and you're bending all the rules and you're being a loose cannon, there's still rules in place to make it a fun game. That's what makes it a game. Games have rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think letting there be some bend is beneficial, but to completely bend all the way is not... It's not really helping anybody, but like each individual person. It's not helping the party. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you go too far on one end of the spectrum, whatever end that might be, you know, it, it, it gets stale or, or whatever. Um, I think it takes a good DM to kind of know the appropriate times when to do that. And, you know, there, there's definitely been times when I have probably made poor judgment calls on that where I, maybe I was too restrictive or maybe I was a little too loosey goosey, but you're never going to be perfect. You, you kind of just got to go with the flow and do the best you can. Exactly. 
Uh, as a DM, how do you find keeping your players on track? I was talking to my roommate when I told him that we were going to originally do this episode, and I asked him if he had any questions, and he said, yeah, how do you keep people on track? It's like, uh, with your players, there's always side conversation in character, things maybe get, like, a little bit too analyzed, or, like, everybody gets a little bit too uh, critical of what they're going to be doing next, and then that completely stalls Mm -hmm. the game. How do you, as a DM, handle that? Yell at them until they pay attention. Sort of. Kind of. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a hard ass, but there, there are plenty of times, um, like last night, for example, I played, um, I'm, I'm running a Dungeon of the Mad Mage campaign. That's where I, I killed Ivy's character. There was a good amount of time when my buddy Hua, um, he's he's kind of the loose cannon of the group, I'd say. Uh, he just, you know, if he doesn't want to pay attention, he's not paying attention and he gets a side conversation going. And I'll, I'll straight up say, hey, guys, you know, please pay attention. The comic store closes in an hour We've mm-hmm. we've gone through three rooms. Like, let's get it together. Yeah. Um, sometimes I let people just talk it out. You know, if I uh, if they want to hash out some sort of idea or strategy. But if it's kind of taking along, and I notice people are starting to lose interest because it's dragging, I'll be like, "All right, guys, time to make a decision." And you know, if you don't make it here pretty soon, I'll either make it for you or some sort of monsters coming to get you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just straight up telling them you're taking too long to make a decision. That can be useful. Yeah. That's a tactic I will often use. Uh, that's the tactic that my current DM is using. Uh, he will actually give us in-game consequences for too much uh, out-of-character deliberation on what to do. Or, like, partial in-character, partial out-of-character. Like, trying to look things up and uh, stuff like that. Uh, he's actually started counting down, like, okay, now it's getting closer. And it's getting closer. Or, like, it, now there's less time and there's less time. And he will tell us that in-game so that we hurry up and make a decision. And I found that to be incredibly effective. Uh, mm, that's, that's actually good. my preferred means of doing it. Because, like, usually I've got a pretty good idea of what I want to do based on my character. Uh, but I understand, like, my party's desire to make sure that um, they're making the best choice for their character and for the party. Um, but it does kind of come down to the point of now we've been deliberating for five minutes and we need to hurry up because you're right the the interest is now getting lost because there's too much deliberation sure sure yeah and that takes a good dm to really put that into effect it sounds like your dm knows what uh they're doing um it so i've tried to do that sometimes and like maybe it's just because my friends are so comfortable with me that they don't take any sort of like pseudo threat that I put in front of them very seriously. It's difficult for me with that particular crew to like use that tactic. But I mean, if you, if you can put that into effect um, in a good way, more power to you. That's awesome. I mean, do you need me to come in there and just like start dropping uh, dragons all over the place? Okay. It's been five minutes. A dragon is now here. <laughs> Once the threat of the audio hobgoblin becomes real to them, they'll, they'll listen. They will listen. Hey guys, you were going to record this episode five times over? No? Well, you better be good or the audio hobgoblin is going to come get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For every minute you spend on your phone, the audio hobgoblin will nibble on your toes while you sleep. Oh my god. Oh no, he's getting real. Stop. <laughs> I can't help it. He's using me as a conduit. Stop Save it. Me. Stop it, audio hobgoblin. Stop it. I'll give you apple juice. Leave Luke alone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Appease him with the apple juice. 
Okay, I think that really covers everything that we talked about last time. And now that we've gotten to redo this, I hope that we are left alone to get to produce and get a good episode out. I had a lot of fun with this, Luke. Thank you so much. I did too. Thank you so much for, one, uh, agreeing to talk about D&D with me in the first place, and then bearing with uh, my troubles with our our new Hobgoblin friend that I experienced from before. Uh, I had a, a great time talking to you, and we should totally do some sort of other project in the future for sure we definitely should i would like that um so coffee fueled rampagers my listeners my beautiful people uh luke actually is the i guess the head of a startup podcast network that i have been so lucky and fortunate to be a part of it is called the little gray boy network uh, he had sent out a post online. I responded, uh, and we have now been collaborating with a lot of other podcasts. So stay tuned for some really excellent, some really excellent content that I'm hoping to be bringing your way soon into your ear holes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Coffee Fuel Ramp. Uh, again, if you want to shout out to us. The number of audio hobgoblins that we have said. Uh, if you get the number right by our count, uh, I will write you a letter and Luke will uh, draw you a picture and we will send those mm-hmm. to you. Uh, they're not. Yeah, just, just watch. Both of our accounts are going to be totally off. It's going to be awful. <laughs> We're going to have to listen like five times to make sure. Um, if One's you... going to be like 22. I'll have like 54. It's going to be really weird. I'm going to have to like we'll figure it we'll get it we'll get it (laughs) i know how to count uh if you are following me on twitter and you follow luke on his twitter and you uh, get a screenshot and you tweet that back to me i will uh send out obscure DD rules and facts uh those facts including the social system of giants Yes, I like that. Yeah, and my end of the deal, I'm going to up it a little bit. I'm going to do a selfie of me drinking a cup of coffee if you are, um, if uh, if you do the same deal with my show over to Coffee Field Rampage. I'll do a selfie of me drinking coffee, and I will be in a different location. Yeah, I, I don't know how to up the ante here but i'll i think i think the selfie is a good is a good one like a different shirt i think uh, like a different shirt maybe a different facial expression yep different shirt different facial expression yeah different coffee mug i have like a thousand coffee mugs because my wife likes to buy them so maybe a different coffee mug every time uh i will prove to you that i drink the coffee Oh, yeah, I should probably mention, uh, Rules Lawyers, you can follow us on Twitter um, at Rules Lawyers with a Z at the end instead of an S. Kind of a weird aesthetic choice that I've regretted since I made the podcast Twitter account, but uh, here we are. And the Little Gray Boy Network is Little Gray... Uh, I can't. You know what? I haven't been using it that long. I can't remember. Is it Little Gray Boy 2? Yes. Or Little Gray Boy Pod 2? It's something uh, like that. Yeah, you um, got locked out of the first one. I think it's Little Gray Boy 2. Yeah, it's Little Gray Boy too because it got locked out of Little Gray Boy, the uh, the OG account because I made the mistake of putting the day it was created as this birthday and Twitter yeah. didn't like that. Great, no, I had a lot of fun. So did I. Thank you so much. All right, see you all next time. <laughs> End of podcast.